Look up there in the sky. It's a bird. A plane. It's Handsome Boys Comics Hour. Those boys are so handsome. One Shaun of the Dead. One Nicholas Angel. One fortnightly discussion of comics and nerd culture. I'm your host, Robbie Dorman, literature geek and writer. And I'm your other host, Eric Z. Goodnight, professional artist and illustration nerd. And we are the Handsome Boys Comics Hour, your home for news, reviews, slightly antagonistic banter, and much, much more. This is episode 244. Cool. Cool. Those are Simon Pegg characters. Oh, you don't ever explain the joke, Robbie. Uh, what is your problem? I don't think it's a joke. Sergeant Nicholas Angel. You never seen Bad Boys 2? <laughs> you haven't seen Bad Boys 2? We haven't seen Point Break? <laughs> point Break. Oof. Okay. Point Break is a... It's the point. It is that the is point. The point of the, it is, is the point. point of that film. Yeah. Uh, we are discussing, later on, uh, The Boys. The first half of The Boys. Which has a character that is Simon Pegg. It is. It is. We Huey is Simon Pegg. Basically. On purpose, even. Yes. Exactly. Uh, Simon Pegg plays the father of that character in the new television show, Eric. Simon Pegg. Simon Pegg plays the father. Simon Pegg is the father of (laughs) of We Huey in the the boys uh, Amazon show. He's done. He's done aged out of his own role. (laughs) Yes. It's too old for it now. Uh, mm-hmm. We will be talking about the boys and all that the boys entails later on. I'm really looking forward to Eric's uh, opinions and thoughts. <sighs> <laughs> oh, it's going to be good. Uh, well, we, we, we got comic books uh, to talk about, though, Eric, before that, though. Other comic books. Sure. <laughs> Eric's, Life's just so exhausting. Eric, I'm sorry. I mean, yeah, I'm I'm also tired. Uh, we get to talk. We can jump into our first segment. Uh, it is time for floppies fortnightly. Floppies fortnightly is where Eric and I will talk about a selection of the past few weeks' books. Tell you to buy or do not buy them. We have a mush meter goes from one to five. If you're feeling mushy about our decision, our first book is pretty violent. Number one, created and drawn by Derek Hunter, written by Derek Hunter and Jason Young, colors by Spencer Holt. I, the, I assume there's letters by someone, but I don't... Maybe it's by the artist? I don't know. doesn't say. I did them. Okay. Uh, good job. I actually... Did, no, I'm not uh, taking credit for someone okay. else's work. I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> that is not a thing I did. Um, Pretty violent. Uh, Like, I don't know, Elevator Pitch is a Ren and Stippy-esque superhero jaunt. Extraordinarily violent and sweary. Mm-hmm. With, but cartoonish. At the same time, I can't think of exactly what it makes me think of <coughs> because I've seen cartoon violence this violent. I mean, maybe I don't know. Maybe, maybe it maybe it's even um, itchy and scratchy. I have no idea. But I've seen things that were this dark and cartoony at the same time. This book's fucking. This is a weird mix of shit. But I, I it. it it weirdly works. It reminds for me. Of, reminds me of I Hate Fairyland. It does, but 
I hate Fairyland is pretty PG, I'd say by comparison. Um, I don't remember it being this grotesquely over the top violent. I don't. It's pretty violent. I don't remember if there's blood, if there's so much guts. Uh, maybe that's why I like I hate Fairyland more, is because mm-hmm. I feel like there's a little bit more degree of nuance. You know, I hate Fairyland. I did not really enjoy this. I I did like it. It's fucked up. Like I don't know that it's good, but I like it. I don't know, man. This is this is weird. It is very strange. I I think it's just like I I don't know what they're going for. I honestly don't know what they're trying to tell me <laughs> except that they just want to draw weird cartoons and violence. I, like I th- I think that's really it. I don't yeah, I don't think there's a lot more to it than that. I I I don't think and, like in swears. In swears. I don't think I I think this is just kind of just indulgent indulging mm-hmm. on a love of you know, Ren and Stimpy and Ren and Stimpy inspired things of things mm-hmm. that are just like grotesque for grotesque sake and trying to be absurd as possible and over the top as possible telling a superhero story i did read this after i read the boys so maybe that had something to do with it i might have just been very tired of i mean i read the it after the, i read it after the boys too and okay. honestly it was it was a nice break okay uh i i'm a do not buy i'm not saying that this is like bad i think it's actually like it is done well it's executed mm-hmm. well but it is certainly not for me I'm I'm going to say that I I think that well-drawn self-indulgent comics are kind of my brand. <laughs> like I'm like what was I can't even remember the name of the sex witch comic that you're you're completely washing your hands of that I I loved every issue of what what the fuck was it even called? It was like maybe two episodes ago. Faithless Faithless is the name of that comic book i i'm i'm here for that weird shit um i i'm i'm here for this i am not going to say to any person alive that this book is good i don't think it is i what i will say is that i like it it's fucked up (laughs) it's really fucked up um but it's like it's right there in my sweet spot of like I don't think I would buy number two, but I like this one. This is a book, or or maybe I'd buy a trade of it. This is this is a book that I would like to have and take it off the shelf and be like, look at this weird shit, because that's a that's a power move I do a lot. I I like this. I think you should. I if you're a weirdo like me, you should buy it. Okay. It's a split decision. I'm pretty violent, number one. Uh, next up is The White Trees, number one. Speaking of self-indulgent comics. <laughs> uh, this is, let's see, script by Chip Sadarsky, line art by Chris Anka, colors Matt Wilson, letters by Aditya Bidikar, um, proofreading by Alison O'Toole, and production art by Shauna Matuzek. It's weird that he called it script, because that almost that that almost is like... It's almost like it says concept by or something. Do you know what I'm saying? I don't know why I'd call attention to script. I don't know why. 
I can't, I can never find a rhyme or reason why credits vary so wildly between comic books. Sometimes it's, it's storytelling, sometimes it's written by, sometimes it's script by, sometimes it's well, I think, story I think by. It's, there's like SAG rules and stuff like that for movies mm-hmm. and in comics. It's just a guy who's got Adobe Illustrator open mm-hmm. <laughs> that's typing shit. <laughs> that's true. Like, like <laughs> we're we're gonna get a Chips Darsky like comic that it says Chips Darsky typey typed the words for this <laughs> typey type in, in, yeah the, like that because Chip Chips Darsky is going to just do that one day because he's a fucking nut job. Um, okay, so anyway, this what, book is super gay. It is very gay. It is. This is okay. Well, first, Eric, before we get into the actual content of this comic book, there's things I think about that's, that is the content. I mean, <laughs> there's there's there is more to it, but there certainly is that. Uh, one, this is a two issue miniseries. There's another. There's one more issue of this, and that's it. That's weird. And and. That this was this has been pitched as this will never be collected. There's going to be these two issues. Either you buy them digitally or you buy them physically, and that's it. There will never be a trade of this, which I do not believe for one moment. Uh-huh. In like a year and a half, there's going to be a a big thick thing that has both of the two issues and probably some extra back matter stuff. Or my, is... my quite T H I C C. Oh thing. yeah, definitely. Yeah, a thick. I mean, it's a I mean, fitting I have for this, this book. book. It is fitting for this book. It is gay. It yeah. follows, I, but there is actual. There is meat to these characters. Yeah, there is. <laughs> I just, you, know, you notice how I said that. Uh, I, I, yes, this book has uh, uh, erections in it, and it is a, a gay book with with bisexual uh, adventurers like having. Like their fantasies, their and then the relationships yeah, by, and like nymphs or succubi yeah, or whatever. Some, yeah, evil sex uh, fairies. Yeah, um, Chris Anka sure can draw. I do think that it's hilarious that he has invented um, uh, the the Chris. We can credit Christopher Anka with creating the uh, the superfluously sexy, useless male armor. Yes, I. You know. Yes, exactly. This is this is just a. We want this dude to be as naked as possible, so mm-hmm. he wears just like a strap that is for his yeah. arrows. He's got like one of his nipples covered up. Well, he's got to hold he's those wearing, arrows, and he's, and he's wearing yoga pants. Arrows got to. He has have to have, to have arrows held it's up true. somehow. Come on, it's true. I, I think. The, the what do we do? What, what's what's what I, I is like this. unclear. It's I, unwritten in the story, but like. His one nipple that's covered is his Achilles heel. Achilles nipple. I like mm-hmm. this. I, I think this is really good. I, it's I, worth making fun of, but it's very good. Yes, this is, it's, it again, Chips Kentucky is a fucking psychopath, but... The, the, the Thick Bear Adventure Squad is yeah, a good comic I, book I, here. There is actual, there is, tr- like, uh, conflict and drama and, mm-hmm. like, really heavy stuff going on along with the the, the gay sex mm-hmm. um i think that that's the thing that is overshadowed everything in this book 
Like you see the reviews. I've read reviews of this already, and they're mm-hmm. like, "Oh, it's kinky." I'm like, I don't know how kinky it is. Like, how? Oh my is- god, how fucking vanilla are people? I, it's not kinky. It has gay dudes having sex, but that's yeah, not kinky. There's nothing that's just, kinky. There's like, not. <laughs> so I'm like, a, that guy's got like some chains on him or something that maybe i don't in know like a panel i think i, I think, think people just have never had sex in their life <laughs> I, I, or they're just like oh it's gay sex on a, a comic book so kinky it's not i mean yeah I there's think, i think they just don't know it, it's one of those i don't think you know what that word means situations <laughs> i fucked up that quote but still i, I think i get partial credit i mean i think it's also it's just trying to sell it so trying to get people to read it a review because of a headline but yeah it has yes there are gay men in it or bisexual men in some cases <laughs> that dragon's totally chained up it's so kinky it's so kinky but the i like this book because it's well written and it's beautiful mm-hmm. and i want to know what happens in the second issue i you know and the fact that they're like yeah it's two issues one and that's it and that's the story and maybe you know hey it's a backdoor pilot for a longer book backdoor huh I, why are you why are your mind so filthy eric because it's me okay <laughs> have you ever met i me have before? met you i'm absolutely a buy i think this book is beautiful chip yeah. is a good comic book writer and despite the fact that everyone's going crazy because it has a penis in it or two it's 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 got more than one yeah it has a few uh yeah. I, I think i'm buying this i'm not buying this book because oh there's uh, ooh, what i need is what is what are what do dicks look like I, whatever it's a you, you don't know i mean you just you just always you went, shower I, your eyes closed i went to a, i went to a christian school for like till seventh grade and i just they didn't You're teach us christian boy they didn't teach us the right you know they taught us man a, this elf dude he's got yoga pants and wedge heels on this is quite the outfit that this dude has. It does. It's it's. I. I'm he's a, got a. He's got a dick knife too. He's got like just right there, pointing to his dick knife. That is Chris Anka. Is he? He made it gay. I'm There's a buy. No doubt about it. I'm a 100 a buy. This is a good comic book. I. And you, oh yeah, no no hesitation for me. I think this is wonderful and beautiful i wish my beard looked like this 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 martian looking dude he's it's got really he's got a really handsome beard he got a good beard game yeah i know it's a fucking excellent beard game let's double by the white trees number one next up is collapser number two story by mikey way and sean simon art Yes, curious again i butchered that sorry <laughs> colors chris peter letters simon boland uh we are here's number two eric this is giving us a little bit of clarity yeah i I mean so to speak anyway yeah more clarity i guess a degree by degrees of clarity uh this makes me way more interested in this book than that first issue did i kind of i kind of don't feel that way okay like i just i feel so jerked around I I think my thought after reading this was this in the first issue should have been a old, big giant size number one. I would have I would have took that yeah, and I think uh, that that would have been very appropriate and mm-hmm. like I we bought this we, I I bought this because well we needed to read it for the podcast you know I I want to see what number two is and clarify you know we had questions after number one 
uh, I don't know how much, I, you know, after number one, I don't know, me personally as a reader, I'd have been like, I'll come back and read it and trade or something or check back. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I'd be like, oh, I need to read number two right away. But if I had read this in conjunction, yeah. both of this combined, I'd be like, oh, that's all right. I have a grasp of what this book is. It's, you know, it's strange. I, I think I, I like the art a lot. And mm-hmm. it's also very, you know. I, I kind of get a better idea of what the 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 premise is, what the, the thesis statement for the book is, versus what I got from this the first issue. Uh I'm a, I think that's why I like I like I thought the first issue was really interesting and promising, but I had questions. This answers a lot of those questions, at least gives me a general idea of where we're going. I mean, I get a sense of where we're of, of where we're going for sure, but all of this narrative of like it's unreliable and mm-hmm. he goes to a mental asylum it's just it's just a big fucking yuck for me and that it it goes that way and then it's not that and then it's like are we being faked out again at the or we, we kind of get faked out and then it goes back to it like I, I, I just i don't i don't like that where did i get faked out i don't uh, I don't think I don't I don't think I don't think I'm getting I don't I'm not fake I don't think I never bought that oh it's fake I always you know they're not gonna I I certainly if this book if this book does pull oh this is all who's hallucinations and stuff I am I'm gonna like I'm gonna go like double my why the last man meltdown here's here's the thing (laughs) yeah I mean you basically know from issue one that he's got this thing in it and it's going to go roughly where it ends here. So why do that? Why is that relevant to the story? Why are those pages well, and that, mean, that shit? What, 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 what good did that do? Well, I mean, I other think, than just hey, being kind of gross, I don't think it's gross. I think the book is, tr- I, I think the book I is think, genuinely doing a whole, like, like this guy's schizophrenic. Like it's, it's gross. I don't like it. I don't, particularly want to see I mental mean, health issues i think that's as what a, this, as a fuck because i think it's i think it's weak and i think it's lazy i don't want to see that as a fucking plot point no but i mean i think that this whole book is trying to like i think this book is largely like it's premised around this is what it's like having a mental illness is like you're constantly being questioned by everyone around you even though you think you know you as a person are constantly questioning your own mental state and then you have people who are supposed to be your support system who are also, you know, thinking they want to help you and they're not or they are blah, 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 blah. You know, it's complicated. I think the book is trying. Again, it's only been two issues. I think something like it, mm-hmm. I think is central. A central like premise of the book is dealing with mental illness as like whoever you are, you're dealing with depression or mental illness or whatever. I think the book is trying to tackle that as a larger theme. I it exhausts me and i don't like it um for for that reason it's just it's just a lot i don't know i i can't bring myself to hate it but all of this like it is and it isn't it's this it's that it's just it doesn't feel very good to me it's just exhausting and i feel like it's either superfluous or you could tell it in a better way it just 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 doesn't feel very good to me what if you read this in a trade eric and it suddenly ties it ties up all that stuff in a nice neat little bow yeah but that's not where we are right now (laughs) 
Well, that's, that's the, but that's, that's the not nature. The product that's in front of. But well, that's the nature of us reading serialized books. Is sometimes there's going to be questions that they can't answer in one issue. I mean, I understand that, and and if you're asking me to judge the product that's in front of me, not the product that it's that it's going to be. Eric, look into the future. Oh. Look into the future. Like if you if you if you heart. ask me how good how good does like dry flower taste versus a, a, a mm. birthday cake. That's I'm, I'm going to say that dry flour doesn't taste very good. That's this is not the ingredient. This is a, a this is like a slice of cake. I mean, I'm a buy. I like this book. I think it's very pretty. I really like the art a lot. Uh, the I art is very strong. I don't know about the the filter thing that you mentioned that in the mm-hmm. no, it's obnoxious. I'm I'm I'm, I'm kind of out of it. I don't need that anymore. I, no. I don't think I need the filter on everything anymore. Uh, no. I do. I do like. I mean, it. they have uh, to commit to the bit now. I guess so. Uh, I do like. A, there's a skeleton in a hot air balloon throwing bombs, uh, uh, screaming about he wants a black hole, and then I like. I really like this old man on the last page. I like the old man. Um, no, he looks good. I'm a buy. I like this book. I'm interested. I, I I I couldn't even tell you where I am on this because I do think that there's value to this book, but this issue frustrates me so much. I don't want to read another issue of this. I would read this, collect it, and see where it is, and make a judgment on that. But I I don't like the way the single issue makes me feel. So I. I don't know. You, you get, I, I, I think this, no. Honestly, okay. if I'm just going, if I'm going with my gut here, I don't really care. I don't. I don't particularly want it. That sounds like I was going to say. It doesn't sound like you're confused. It sounds like you know exactly how you feel. I I like things about it. You know. <laughs> okay. I think there's. I think there's some joy to this book, but in general, like I just like I read it, and it just makes me feel bad. I mean, and then not in a way like like I think a great piece of art can like give you catharsis. It just makes me feel bad, and I don't think that that's what they want to do. <laughs> and I don't want it. Do you? What do you feel? Have Have you ever seen Twelve Monkeys? Yeah, I don't, it's okay. Yeah, I mean, it is. That's Twelve Monkeys is just okay. I don't think it's great, but. It remi- you, you this have, reminds do, this reminds me of Twelve Monkeys. The do you have friends with schizophrenia? I have two. No, I don't. I mean, I don't. Yeah, I, I don't. I, I mean, I don't I, know. I assume I don't. I don't like you know. I mean, I, one of one of my very good friends, like nearly, he was rescued on the street after a complete schizophrenic breakdown, um, and that's like literally like by the by fucking grace got took in. He's a black kid too, and he was like wandering the streets of philadelphia or something and someone took him in and helped him get some meds and then his family came and got him and he's he's doing pretty well now but i could never have talked to him again um and he could he could be a schizophrenic street person for the rest of his life so i i don't know i don't find the subject matter um all that good or sensitive it just doesn't it just it just raises my hackles it doesn't feel good or appropriate to me support people who support mental health uh reform in our uh government that's my official uh 
It's a good idea. Whoever it was that took care of uh, my friend saved his damn life. So, that's, yes, that's our, whatever, that's, that's, whatever that's, agency that, it was, bless them. That's our intrusion into uh, our comic book podcast. Uh, our next, that's a split decision on Collapser number two. Our next book is Gwynpool Strikes Back, number one. Written by Leah Williams, art David Baldeon, colors Jesus Abertov, letters Joe Caramagna. We, I, 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 as I, as we've gotten further away from reading uh, the, the, Gwen, um, the unbelievable Gwynpool. Mm-hmm. The for book club, I like I like it more and more in retrospect. Like just really, my, it was really a good. It was a one of the best things we read that year. And I was, you know, and I was, you know, we've seen her. She popped up in a, I think the West Coast Avengers book, which she liked, which has already been canceled. Of course, it has. Um, this is a miniseries, six issues, I believe, five or six. And I'm glad that Gwenpool is getting a miniseries and getting another book. I don't. I'm. I don't. And you. You said you're. You don't know. I don't know how I feel about this comic book, Eric. Mm-hmm. It's this book is. This book is. It's kind of like we've read some Deadpool books mm-hmm. that were just all gimmick mm-hmm. and all just goofing off and and clowning around, and then there's there's this, which is the same damn thing. She's like I think that that. Some of the tone of this is is pretty right, but it's reductive um, to what she is. You know, it's silly and it's stupid, and it's basically the the Gwenpool equivalent of Deadpool yelling chimney chungas or whatever in the shit he says. <sighs> but I mean, like, there's never gonna be a there's never going to be someone with a, a, a Gwynpool sticker on their, their big giant uh, uh, fucking truck. It, I think that, that, and that's the thing where I'm like, I'm trying to reconcile the idea that, oh, well, yeah, we read the first Gwynpool book, basically, and it established the tone of the character in my mind, you know, and it, and it when you're getting a character in, in a Marvel or DC universe, it's going to be shared, and you're going to have multiple writers all tackle the character, and they're going to do different things with them. And I think there are parts of this I like a lot, and it's some of it I thought was funny. Um, yeah. I, I and but other parts really fell flat for me. And I'm mm-hmm. I I like the idea of this book. I like the idea of Gwenpool like trying to find a, a way to cement herself as a character. You know that there's like. I need to find a way to make sure that I stay in continuity. And, you know, there there is certainly, there are basically an infinite amount of stories you can tell with, with a character like this who can break the fourth wall and is aware that she's in a comic book story. Um, I just, it's hit or miss. And I think, I don't know, I'm for more Gwenpool stories. Uh-huh. I, I like the character. And I, th- I like the general direction of this story. Uh, I think some of it is a little too dumb for me um, yeah i i don't know where that i guess that makes me mushy by because i i'm i will whenever this i don't think i'm going to be buying this issue to issue but i will certainly be buying the trade i want to know where the, what the happens with this character so mush meter three three that's where i'm at i think the real crime of this book is the way the script is done they have a really phenomenal artist here yeah like this book looks great and 
it's like we're 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 being cheated that this environment and the way this story is told like nothing happens in here there's no environments there's nothing interesting they don't really let this artist flex at all and it's it's a he manages to make it look uh, really good Mm -hmm. with the most terrible of set pieces and things happening it's just i don't I don't think enough happens that that makes sense. I can't say bye. I mean, I agree with what you're saying that like I I want some of this. I want them to make some good shit, you know. Mm-hmm. With with Gwenpool, this is this is like a kind of like a C plus, and it's got all the right elements, but like I the, the worst parts of Gwenpool, I think, were the ones that were the most stupid. When I read those first, it, that first issue or two, it wasn't, it didn't, it didn't really captivate my interest that she was like being ironic and being stupid and whatever. It's, it's when the, like the, when she started understanding, oh, this is real mm-hmm. and I'm in danger and started taking things a little serious, taking things seriously, not acting like Deadpool, acting like a real person. Yeah. Yeah. And I think there's parts of that in here but there's also parts where her just mugging at the camera and blah 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 yeah. and chimichanga kind of stuff which is fine i think and i frankly there probably is a larger market for people for books like this seeing how obviously Maybe. deadpool has never fails to sell regardless of what the book is um but yeah, like i mean i, I can't it's not it you know my gwenpool it's you know is it my that's the thing that was going in my, my mind it's like is this this isn't my gwenpool etc etc Hmm. is that a do not buy from you eric yeah i don't think i can say buy this it it looks great and i love a lot of things about it but the heart just isn't there for me i can't think of any real reason to buy it it doesn't it's got it does have some superlative interior art but they just didn't let him flex in the right way i think he did a lot with very little okay that's a split decision on Gwenpool Strikes Back number one with a much reader of three. Uh, next up is Ghost Spider number one, written by Sean and McGuire, art Takeshi Miyazawa, colors Ian Herring, letters Clayton Cowles. This is uh, our Spider Gwen, now Ghost Spider. Yeah, it's an odd decision, but I suppose if she's going to be in 616 in a place where there is already a Spider Woman, mm-hmm. she can't also be spider woman and she does kind of look like a ghost so i i don't know i don't hate it this is like kind of a departure for takashi miyazawa art and i like that the the guy can kind of do no wrong for me though he's really really fucking tremendous why do you say it's a departure it doesn't look as bubbly there are some panels where it does it looks way grown up and serious and also simplified, you know, almost like he was just drawing very quickly with um, with like a brush or just inking directly because it just it looks a lot more minimal uh, and quick than his other stuff. Um, and I like it for that. It's it's very skillful um, and it. To me, it does 
it comes across uh, more mature, aiming at an older audience. Like if you compare it to, I can't think of what it's called. He wrote it with Greg Pak. It was um, it was like the disgusting ABCs or some shit. I don't remember what it's called exactly, but it's 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 on record and it's very kiddish. Um, you know, same with Miss Marvel. It's very kiddish. This looks older almost to the effect that i couldn't tell it was him for a while um then he's uh, he's wildly versatile and i i really admire him for that i i like this book a lot i think yes it does look great i think the writing is very good i think it it, yeah it it blends a good mix of you know it has the it has a spider-man feel certainly spider-man is in this as well peter parker is playing a pretty large role in getting (laughs) Gwen just like hey yeah we have we have scholarships for dimensionally displaced super superheroes uh Tony Stark I mean that does that does sound like a very Marvel thing to say it, it does uh so certainly I'm, in 2019 I'm for all I like the mentioning hopping uh thing about it I think that's a good way to stretch her character challenge her you know the same I way like, that what would you say uh, I was gonna say I like Spider-Man talking about her eating celery <laughs> For the for the for the for the symbiote, what? Yeah, that's amazing. It needs to eat wood. Yeah, it, it you need to, to feed, get, eat some. You celery. need to give it dietary fiber. Okay, get some parmesan Your body cheese. Needs it. So do symbiotes. Come on, man. I think the I, USDA recommends four pounds of broccoli a day for an adult man. Four pounds. Mm-mm, I love me some broccoli. It uh, really is like three pounds or something like that. I. So I'm going to put this on the record. I like this book. I'm a buy. I'm going to say officially, this is me nitpicking. I hate the jackal. I hate the jackal. Every, every time the jackal I shows don't, up. I, 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 don't, I don't know the character, honestly. It's the clone saga guy. I feel like, I feel like I'm well-versed in um, Spider-Man characters, and I have no the fuck clue who he is. He's the- he looks like. He looks like bad haircut Jim Gordon. He yes, he does look like bad haircut Jim Gordon. I just the Jackal is responsible for the clone saga. The Jackal is the person who cloned Gwen Stacy and cloned Spider-Man and then gave us Ben Riley and that whole mess that they keep bringing up. I don't know why. Sounds right. The clone saga <laughs> was fucking terrible. I'm gonna, that I there's no fixing it. There's no retconning it to make it good. Let it disappear hey, into history, please. Hey, Robbie. Shut up. You know you know what we need to read for book club? We're not reading the Clone Saga. I refuse. Come on, come on buddy. Don't want to read the Clone Saga. I'm a buy on this comic book. I think it's good. You should read it. Um, I'm a buy on the Clone Saga. You know you're not. You'd hate it. <laughs> you hate it. It's terrible. Um, that's a d- double buy on Ghost Spider number one. Our last books of the week are Powers of X numbers two and three. Um, written by Jonathan Hickman, with art by uh, R.B. Silva, uh, with inks by R.B. Silva and Adriana Di Benedetto, colors by Marta Grasse, and letters by Clayton Kyles. And then, yes, credits are the same for both issues. Just making sure. Um, but this is in this is they 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 mess with the order reading order of this. They they jumped it so it's Powers of X two in a row before we get another House of X. Uh, Eric officially said on the record that he wanted to keep reading this on for the podcast. So I'm I'm reading the hell out of this. So why not? It it seems really stupid to not um, read this for the podcast. 
it seems really dumb. This would be, you know, this would, this would be like, I, I, you know, I can't even, I'm, I'm not even going to. This is like the main event, the most talked about thing right now in comics, and it would be asinine if we skipped over it. So we agree. This is the this is the most Jonathan Hickman fucking thing ever. It is, and it is indeed. It is very Jonathan Hickman. It is, and this gives us again spoilers for people who are not up to date with this in particular, because this is when we're talking about these books, they are particularly spoilery. Um, mm-hmm. but we're getting we three <laughs> the the reading three because reading two because I texted you when two came out. When I read it on the, on that Wednesday, and I'm like, I don't know what the hell's happening in the later, the latter yeah. third of this book. It's in the far, it, the far future, and the phalanx is there, and I'm like, and then you that weird those info pages about what the phalanx is, and like I read those old comics with the phalanx, and I like them, but then this book changes all of that, which it's done a lot of. It's done a lot of retconning. And then you read three, and it makes a little bit more sense, some of it, because you're, it's, you're, you learn that, oh, these are not all our current dimension or current timeline. Mm-hmm. This is, some of this is past Mara timelines. Right. We're not, not only are we reading this in multiple dimensions across uh, Mara's, um, lifetimes we're also reading it across hundreds of fucking years it's it it is going in all directions try and keep up dummies yeah exactly you're like oh well the the one that's x3 is in the apocalypse timeline and we see that she's getting that information and then carrying it with her to her next okay but then what about the x4 is that to is that also in the... No, it can't be because she died. So is that the sixth timeline? Or is that our current timeline and we are seeing the far future of ourselves? Or... And you're saying it's just like turning your brain in knots. Mm-hmm. But I'll say again. I am so excited. I am so hyped for this, these books. I... It is... It, it is not... I, I think it's a criticism we had we've said of a lot of the X books we've read of the, like the last five years, like everything after the original five came back and then stayed around for a while. And then blah, 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 blah. We were like, Oh, this it's X-Men. It's fine. You know, that's, we were like, yeah, this is fine. Most for the most part, I think we like Gen X, the generation X book. We liked, we like, you know, there's an X-Force book we liked. And we were like, oh, but most of this is like X. Whenever they had the, they reboot them, and I'll be like X Men Gold and X Men Blue and X Men whatever, and they always have some code name with them, and it'd be like, what is this team? And we're like, this is all right. It's an X Men book, and it's the X Men doing stuff together, and they're fighting whoever the Reapers. But it was always just more X Men. This is challenging. I mean, like it is. It's challenging to read at times. Yeah like it's there's confusing stuff happening like i don't know what's going on certainly in the in the far future i am very confused i think i know but that I, doesn't... i've i've never even heard of a story with a narrative that works this way you know no that's 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 multiple timelines in multiple dimensions and it's kind of told in this in a, in a very non-linear way mm-hmm one thing affects the other like it's just nuts 
it's absolutely bananas. And I, I don't know. I don't know how much red yarn Jonathan Hickman needed to write this. <laughs> I mean, I, I've seen his Howie story plans and on whiteboards. It's just like Charlie Day. It's, yeah. I mean, it's more organized than that. But it is certainly like, just like long, like lines intersecting with lines and like different colored highlighters and marking things and connecting dots and, you know, columns and stuff like that. And that's the thing. I think... I I think this is so exciting because I know that Hickman has a plan. I I've read his Fantastic Four. I've read his other mm. comic books. I've read his you know I've read his his uh his his um Secret Warriors. I've re- I've read all those different books that are all you know have huge casts in his Avengers run with Secret Wars. And I've read all these books and they're all huge casts and a lot of crazy things happening concurrently and they pay off. Yeah. They don't, they 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 don't just whisper wither out of nothing. They don't mystery box you like Lost or Why the Last Man for that matter. They don't they don't have like you know oh drop threads that n- never get picked up again. Things matter. He makes choices with what he's showing you, and I you know that that trust I think is important. And I think I I can trust that when he's showing me something in a book. It's going to matter, and it's going to mean something later on down the line. And when we see, you know, the choices of that very first issue of House of X, you know, when Magneto is, you know, talking to those diplomats slash spies, and I have a feeling that that stuff's going to come back around and play into things. And everything we see, there's things hidden in, in plain sight. Information we just take for granted, but it ultimately means something more than what we see. And... That's exciting because it makes me excited to read the book because I know that I am not just getting it dropped off a cliff in three issues because, oh, all oh, this is all fake. No, it's not all fake. It matters. It's mm-hmm. not just it's not just bullshit cliffhangers. And uh, the art is beautiful. Like I like I think I said that in the very first issue, it feels like they're just like everyone is working as hard as they possibly can to make this perfect. Uh I'm a buy. I'm a buy. I'm a continuing to be a buy. It's great. Yeah. No. I mean, absolutely tremendous, wild, strange, and captivating. And I've never seen a narrative like this. And I think the art is beautiful. The storytelling is experimental, wild, interesting, weird. There's so much good, and it's. I mean, X-Men is back, and thank God for that. Yeah. Yeah, so, no, please do. Yeah, and that that's the, I think that's, like, the best part about it, is, like, X-Men was always my favorite. And now... Yeah, X-Men was the shit. X-Men was always my favorite, and now there's an X-Men that I'm excited to read again, and I'm just, like, it's just so, it makes me, like, so happy you know, for a long, a lot of times, superhero comics just don't make me. They're like, there's a couple, of usually a year, to get me excited. Yeah, I'm, not, I'm never like, oh, I'm never gonna be the person like, oh, you need to read superhero comics. But yeah. this is a book that I recommend to anyone, not just like, oh, do you like superhero books? You no, know, this is like so, so, so structurally and narratively interesting in how it's told. Like what you said, like it's not just oh, this is unique in superhero books. It's not. It's unique in anything. There's, yeah. There's no other not there I can't think of another sci-fi comic that is telling us concurrent 
timelines and dimension stories and time hopping within those different like it's it's insane that this that this is working it's a and lot it's, and it's no, working I, in superhero books it's a very strange and unique way to tell a story so i'll take je- take jonathan hickman by the hand and let him walk me down the road i don't i'm mm-hmm. exactly that's right that's right double by powers of x number two and three that'll do it for this week um uh, floppies there'll be more next time more x-men be talking more about some crazy twists and turns that we didn't see coming. We'll talk about our minds being blown again. That's right. Mm-hmm. Uh, we can move on to our next segment. It's time for checking in. Checking in is part show. Eric and I talk about what we've been up to over the past couple weeks. Um, you know, movies, music, games, um, television shows, or you know, wrestling. <laughs> Sometimes, a lot of the time. <laughs> often often wrestling often uh eric what's going on god do i really have to talk about you, what's going you, on in my life you don't have to we can just you can you can quickly say uh that the internet is bad and we could talk about something else oh i did you did you read my newsletter i did yeah i i um of all the weird things to happen i um i i wrote a tweet about Mr. PewDiePie and his wedding photos. Um, and some of my more famous friends retweeted it and it went viral. Uh, and that opened me up to several days of harassment from, um, let's say, idiot PewDiePie fans. I imagine uh, some of them may even be listening to this. I will not be sharing it. And I will not be interacting with social media for, you know, for a while. Because fuck you guys. Um, I I really doubt that. I, I doubt they're, they. It's they listen, shocking but... what no, it's shocking what they will do. I mean, I had. It's been pretty far-reaching, Robbie. I mean, the, like my boss tweeted me at one in the morning. Because one of them wrote my name on the wall of the place where I work on their Facebook page. Because that was public information. It was publicly available on my, my Facebook page. Um, so it was, it's, it's been weird. Um, I've honestly not been too bothered by it. Because, I mean, to be fair, Twitter basically is a machine to harass people. So rather than um, rather than fight harassers, what they do is they just let you ignore everything that they do. Um, so I've not been too bothered by the stupid shit that they've said and done. They just leave dumb comments. I had been trolling them for a couple of days, just tweeting pictures of heel wrestlers at them. Um let me tell you, they they loved it. They definitely had a lot of reactions whenever I tweeted a picture of a woman. They were very clearly very bitter, misogynist, racist, uh, just not nice people. And it's I, I can't imagine why all of PewDiePie, because he, he's clearly not a racist, it's amazing how thousands of people that follow him and want to defend him want to do so by tweeting death threats and swastikas at me um it's been a a whole thing um a lot of my friends are more worried about me uh than i am but like 
ultimately what are a bunch of 14 year olds going to do to me? You know, because that's really 90 plus percent of them are dumb children. <laughs> I, they certainly act like it. Yeah, no, it's 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 pretty obvious, but it has been very interesting because um, a lot of a lot of friends on the Internet uh, and people that aren't really uh, don't really t- use Twitter a whole, whole, whole heck of a lot. would just like just see my page randomly during that like two day period when the tweet was real, real hot. And um, they're just like, what the fuck is happening? <laughs> it's just like there's just everything that I post or everything that I say. And there's just like, you know, like one one tweet gets like 90 comments. Uh, oh, yeah, it was the one I am really proud, like of my just like next level trolling of these idiots at like. When I put a tweet up and it gets 90 comments, I'm like, oh, they're fucking big mad. I love it. It was just fucking delicious. But my no, it was my favorite one because it was it was uh, Tetsuya Naito throwing away the Intercontinental uh, Championship belt. And I said, this is here's here's me getting a great dunk on PewDiePie and obviously and honestly not giving a shit. <sighs> that made them really mad. It, people are really weird i don't know why you would take he is a millionaire mm-hmm. he doesn't know who you are or care mm-hmm. about you oh yeah no he he he. if he does then he is stupider and more petty than even i thought before but i mean not you but i mean the people defending him they yeah, don't they he definitely doesn't give a shit I, about their I, dumb racist asses. I don't know why you would, of well, all people, him. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you a story that I have been reflecting on many times, and I think it applies to both situations, both like why I'm not bothered by this and kind of how they're feeling. When I was, I remember coming home. I was in elementary school. I have no clue how old I was, but I might have gotten sent to the principal's office or you know got a note from my teacher or something because i had gotten mad at another student who insulted my dad and i had to bring the note home and talk to my dad about it and my dad he did oh, this is going to be you know paraphrased for in, in emphasis my dad was like i don't give a fuck what some elementary school kid says about me and i'm like oh then who cares them? And that's that's how I feel about all these stupid fans and their opinions about me. And um, yeah, that they need to they need to just get the fuck over it and understand Big Daddy PewDiePie doesn't give a fuck. He's laughing all the way to the bank in his fucking clan sheets. I. I... I don't know. I don't think I don't think people understand what the word racist means sometimes. No, they they really don't. They think it means that you go out and you set black churches on fire. They think that the only racist person that has ever lived was uh, Dylan Roof, who shot up that church. And even he's kind of okay. But that Hitler guy, he's really he's 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 got some really had some really good ideas. He was just trying to make Germany great again. Good God. I hate the Internet. (laughs) <laughs> and it's bad. Eric, 2019 uh, is a stupid fucking year. <laughs> They're all bad. That's the secret, Eric. All of the years are bad. Yeah, that, 
That's 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 my secret. I'm always angry. I'm gonna go on record here because Ravi, I'm sure you're not going to delete my tweet. Uh for all of you assholes that are sharing uh that uh uh that that screen cap of me. Yes, I think racists should drink bleach. I'm on the record for that. Racists and harassers of people should fucking drink bleach. Okay? You guys do that. Go ahead and use that soundbite. I know I'm a monster. Please, you're a bad person. You should you should just do it. Okay. I I think that all the thing that we need to keep in mind is that uh all people are way the fuck dumber than we think they are. We are dumb scared animals. Um I mean, we we set the most important forests in the world on fire. Well, not we. Um, I didn't do that. I mean, I, I at this point, I think we're all complicit. Well, you know, I would. I can't go down there. Stop them. We're all we're all pretty complicit, bud. We we we're. It's 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 gonna kill us all. I mean, I, this has been a very this has been a pretty depressing week. I mean, one, it's. I, I know this is not this is a small solace, but it certainly helped me. This is not the worst fire that's hit the Amazon in like the last five years. They've been worse fires. I guess um, that's I guess that's good to know. That's there, not there's, a thing that I've heard. I I follow multiple like real like science, environmental scientists on Twitter, mm-hmm. and they're like, it's bad, but it's been worse in like like this is like this of the last five years. This is actually mm-hmm. a fire in the bottom. It's like fourth. In, so I guess in, I'm not too surprised that this is clickbait trying to work people up. But yes, I think we we that, do. That's what they were we, saying. We, we like need to we need to in, take pretty fucking dramatic action. Well, they I mean they were also in in kind also saying like, hey, this is because of our tremendous amount of meat consumption and and it's all be, it's driven by the cattle industry uh, down there, and that is you know we are you know limit if you eat less meat there you'll that is a direct way to eat less beef um you know directly is it's beef in particular because the cattle obviously need a lot of land to graze on but uh that is the direct influence on the on the amazon you know that that is the thing but i guess that's fair don't lose sight of you know it is a lot of it is in sensationalistic pictures that aren't even from this year's fire they're fire they're pictures from years prior years fires which are also bad and we should definitely be worried about you know the our impact on the environment but you know don't take everything you say on social media for like gospel which is what i just you know don't go on twitter that's the answer it's a good answer honestly mm-hmm. I try there's to stay lots of people that i really like keeping up with and i gotta have, i gotta put my wrestling gift somewhere um i okay i i have things about i want to talk about that aren't harassment Thank God. I'm glad you're not getting harassed. Uh, no. I think I did get my newest book, which is, uh, has a, you know, vaguely, it not vaguely, a that absolutely liberal bent, uh, I think one person was upset uh, about that, and they gave me a bad review. Oh, well. Which, which, which book? Truth. The newest, okay. the, the newest book. Yeah, uh, someone, I, someone was like, this isn't Ben Shapiro. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not gonna own this book. I yeah, whatever. I you, uh, you can't let that stuff bring you down. Um, I have a video game I want to talk about first, Eric. 
It's a video game what from the fuck. I know. Really? It's from the newest. It's from the. It's the newest game in the Fire Emblem series called Three Houses. Everyone is talking about the new Fire Emblem. Yeah, for good reason. It's a very good video game. Uh, it is. I think you would enjoy it, frankly, uh, because of your love for Final Fantasy Tactics, uh, and of Mass Effect. It is basically those games combined. It is the it, you know it is it is a game of two halves. You are a teacher, uh, in a in a in a college academy. I don't know what you want to call it. A monastery. It's it's a weird it's a weird combination of like you're in this setting you know vaguely medieval setting where the church and the government are kind of intertwined and there's three big ruling bodies, three big countries that kind of rule the world. Uh, and they're fighting a war, and so you are a professor at, like, this academy trying to train up the newest, uh, the students to, you know, fight for these different houses, the three houses. Um, and you are a teacher, and you are basically teaching your students of whichever house you choose. You choose one of the three houses when you start the game, um... And you're given an array of students, and you teach them. You know, it has like a calendar system where, like, you go through a day, through a week, and certain days you can go out and explore, and certain days you're like literally like just teaching them. Uh, and you teach that you pick a student, and you give them a lecture, and it raises their stats in a certain level. Uh, and then at the same time, when you're exploring, you go and talk to them. You spend time with the students you want to get to know better, which means their stats go up, and they you work better together when you're in combat and all that and you know there are certain there's obviously a bunch of different classes and subclasses and subclasses to the subclasses as you go along and spend more time in the game which is all these are all things that are in a lot of fire emblem games um this is on the switch which i think has gotten part of the reason that's got a lot of people talking about it it's because everyone seemingly owns a switch now so it's widely available but and then the other half of the game when you're not a professor and getting to know these students and getting to know their characters a la Mass Effect and your sporting cast, you are engaging in combat. You are in, it's like Final Fantasy Tactics, Tactics grid-based combat, where you have a team of your students, uh, and you send them out, and they have, you know, there's magic users and melee combat, range, range guys, and as you go, they will diversify and become cavalry and flying units and all kinds of crazy stuff that I haven't really got to yet. Uh, it's a very long game, which is the one thing that actually is a negative for me, is that this game takes a long time to beat, and there's a lot of stuff in it. It's kind of intimidating to me whenever I try and start to play. I'm like, oh, I only have an hour. What can I do in an hour? I could, in realistically, a lot, but I get thinking like, oh, I won't play it. I'll wait till I have more time. Uh, which, w- with me, it just means I don't play as much as I could. But the writing is really good. Like, I think that's the the thing that makes me, like, really suggest it, is that the writing for the characters is actually really good, really charming, uh, really fun. I was, when I was trying to decide what house I want to be, I wanted to be in. You know, you pick a house and there's the, uh, there's, there's the, 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 the black eagles, the blue lions, and the golden deer. And they, they, you have, like, a very brief meet and greet with them. Before you choose one for good, and I chose the golden deer, which are like the kind of the the outcasts, the 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 weirdos, house kind of. Uh, I really my thought process as I was playing was like I'm just gonna pick the house that has my favorite character in it, whichever one of the students I like the most. I'm just gonna pick that house, make it easy on me. And I ran. I met I met Raphael, 
who's this big, stocky, dumb kid who loves food, and he's a brawler. And I started calling him Meatball, and I chose, he's in the Golden Deer house, so I chose that. I'm like, I want to be in the same house with Meatball. And now I'm going to defend Meatball to the death. I love Meatball. He's a good kid. He's an idiot. I love him. This is is why you decided to be my friend, Robbie. Yes. He's... (laughs) He's not quite. He's not quite Eric Ziegenite, but he is. He's a. He's a fun, dumb idiot that I like. I like hanging out with in in the school. There's also like also named after your favorite Ninja Turtle. Yes, he's he's named after my favorite Ninja Turtle, and then I named. Him I mean, after objectively, my, the best Ninja Turtle. Yeah, and I named him after my favorite Aqua Teen Hunger Force character. Um, then and like there's a bunch of and there's a bunch of characters like. Dozens and dozens of them. You know how you can, and you kind of decide your own level of involvement with any of them. Like you, if you don't want to talk to them, just don't. You can recruit anyone into your into your house afterwards. So, like, if there's a kid in one of the houses you like, you can bring him over. If you just gotta give him the right presents, literally, you just give him like, oh, he likes flowers. Okay, you give him flowers, and he's now, oh, yeah, I'll join. Sure, I like you, teach. Um, it's really fun. I like all that hype I think it's deserved. I've not gotten that far into it, but all I I it's one of those games where you're not playing it. When I'm not playing about it, I think about it a lot. I'm like, "Oh, I need to go back and do this thing and do the other thing." And like and there's and you can go fishing and you can grow a garden and like there's just so much in the game that's not just like in this game that's technically like a tactical combat game. You're also like, "Oh, I'm going to I need to figure out which other teacher I'm going to date or whatever." <laughs> It's just, it's and there's a lot there that I'm not really talking about because it's incredibly deep, but it's a very fun game. Uh, the other thing I want to talk about is the return of Good Eats. Good Eats is back. It is actually like the official premiere is the night of us of our the, the night that we are recording this. There's going to be two episodes airing. Um, the, I think the chicken parmesan episode, which is on the on the online for free, and then another episode, uh, which I don't know what it is, but I love Good Eats. Good Eats is the reason that I engaged with cooking or I started to engage with cooking and becoming a better cook. Um, I, Alton Brown's a great guy, great I don't know, food personality, great educator on food. I've watched the chicken parm episode. I think it's good as any of the good eats episodes are. I'm excited for the return. I don't, I would suggest anyone who hasn't watched good eats, go watch good eats. If you are like, it's a really, int- it, it got me into cooking because it's entertaining and nerdy and informative about, like simple ways to improve your cooking and not just be like a slave to having to go out to eat all the time or buy ready-made food. Cause you don't know how to cook. It's it. You, you watch his really hit, like you go watch like his episode about salt and you learn about the importance of salt and you learn, you watch this episode about pepper and you, I, I, I hear it's a rock by the way. It is, yeah, it is. Now that you mention it, but he did an AMA on Reddit, which is great. Um, he's just, he's just really smart. Uh, guy and i think what makes him so smart is that he understands that he doesn't know everything he's still one of my favorite people on earth i was having this conversation that uh, in the absence of uh bourdain um alton is kind of the only food daddy we have left in the world and i uh, i i'm glad he's doing good eats again even if even if it is on that channel but being able to watch this episode on on YouTube is uh, lovely. I mean, it's going to be all the stuff is going to be available on iTunes and Amazon and Hulu, or like yeah. there's there's a variety of places. And Eric, we're we are going to have a TV subscription soon because we got to watch wrestling. 
I have heard that. That is that is part of the plan. We're going to have a television subscription that includes the Food Network so we can watch. Just hot diggity. Hot diggity. We can watch uh, the new Good Eats on Demand on their website because we'll have a subscription. That's what wrestling will do for you, Eric. It will it will open It'll the world in the, your life in so everything. Much. <laughs> uh, good Eats is great. If you like, I if you've never watched Good Eats at all, watch this new show because he is he's openly said if you want more of it, there's I think twelve episodes they made or something. If you want more Good Eats after this, watch it, and you will. If the demand is there, he will make more, and I am I absolutely I'm making it a a, a point for me to go see him on his next live tour because he says yeah. it's his last one so i need to go see him live i want to meet i would like to meet alan brown and you know shake his hand or something did i ever tell you my brother met him when he was the during his first stint of living in atlanta you know before he moved away for that year or two mm-hmm. did uh did he ever tell you about that this mm-hmm. was even this was like before i would say he was definitely like an important person, but he was nowhere near the celebrity he has become. Um, Brad met him at a book signing for one of his earlier books, and Brad had one of his, he was severely addicted to, like, I don't know, his first or second iPhone or something. And Alton Brown says, you want to put that thing away so we can interact like real people? And Brad was very embarrassed. (laughs) It's kind of a dick move, though, right? <laughs> eh, I, that's, uh, you know, I, I think there's a part of Alan Brown that's, you know, he's he can be a dick. but that's, He's kind of a dick, yeah. But that's, I'm okay with that, frankly, at some point. You know, there's, I think that's, he's that kind of stern figure. I think that's part of the reason why he got me cooking. Like, he's at a certain point, just like, it's not necessarily like, oh, why don't you come? And it's more like, come on, you know, do it, do the thing. You know, and I, I, especially at that time in my life when I started watching Good Eats, I needed someone to tell me to, hey, cook, figure yeah. this out, do it, not just be nice and cuddly with me, because that's not wasn't gonna get me started. He can be, no, he I, can be quite cuddly, but you know, it depends on. Yeah, I think no. it depends on his, on the day. He did a lot of things that really made sense for me, and that kind of use his model at least in my mind for a lot of things when I have to teach someone something mm-hmm. um, I'm thinking about how Alton did it. He's, I don't know. It's way more groundbreaking than a cooking show should be. Hey, Eric. What's up? Now that we have, we just share that nice moment of reflection about the, how we both enjoy good eats. Let's talk mm-hmm. about the boys. Hmm. I guess it would be stupid to skip it, right? <laughs> we, I just, I read all this. We should definitely talk about it. Oof. Uh, so that's that's it for checking in. We'll move on to our final segment. It's time for Nerbo Book Club. Nerbo Book Club is the part of the show where Eric and I assign a longer collective work to discuss it in depth, like it would a book club. Uh, this week we are discussing the first half of the Boys, volumes one through six, uh, by Garth Ennis and Derek Robertson. Uh, there's some other artists in here uh, do a few issues here and there. And then there is the Herogasm spinoff thing that is drawn by John McRae, who has worked extensively with Garth Ennis uh, and other stuff. Mm-hmm. But it's largely it's largely Derek Robertson does most of it. Um, 
so this is the this we we are doing this largely be, i mean there's a the television show on amazon right now it, it apparently is getting rave reviews doing really well you've always talked about the boys a lot eric and you've always kind of talked about it you know you we you're the reason i read preacher for the first time we read preacher for this podcast yep. we, we read punisher max both written by garth ennis and we both think they're great and you've always talked about preacher being like one of the formative comic books to you yeah definitely and I was like, okay. And the boys was always like, it's his follow up to Preacher, basically. It's the his big creator owned thing that came out after he's done with Preacher. And you always have talked about it in these words of like, I yeah, I read it, and I don't like it, <laughs> and you we probably shouldn't read it. And then now I mean, we I I bought it with a there's a big humble bundle sale for it all, and I bought that, and we're like, it's we'd be dumb not to read it now that the television show is going on. And I was like, yeah. And I'm you. I mean, you had talked a lot about it, and you prepared me. I think, I, I think I was prepared a little bit for the ridiculousness of it, the the over the top, terror like offensive qualities mm-hmm. of it. I was kind of bracing for it, and I, th- it, I think that helped me. You you were aware of what you were about the, the yeah. bitter pills you were had you had to swallow because that, it's worse than I remember. Okay, <laughs> I was gonna say, I think in turn this book is it demonstrates how Garth Ennis is a very good comic book writer. Mm-hmm. How he has a really good he has a good handle on character and plot and structure and how to tell a story, and then the, in turn. It's full of indulgent, offensive bullshit yeah. that literally makes me roll my eyes and question what the fuck am I reading over and over and over again. I can't remember. I think that it's in one of the forwards, something that he wrote. The exact words I remember him using is, I want to write something that out-preachers preacher. Mm-hmm. And... I remember, I mean, I was a, I was considerably younger. I mean, I was still in my 20s when I first started reading this. And I, I, I probably got the first eight of these books before I fell off and decided I didn't need any more of this shit in my life. Mm-hmm. I mean, you've, you've captured it really well. It's just like self-indulgent, ugly, hateful shit. It's not all wretched. Because there's some stuff in here that's got some intelligence, that's got some heart, but it just can't stop trying to be gross. It can't stop trying to be fucking racist and ugly and over the fucking top. And it's... Do you know what it reminds me of? No. The Vindicators from rick and morty oh right yeah that's yeah you're yeah that's yeah i didn't it's that is absolutely true mm-hmm. that's there so it's the edge lordiest of rick and morty shit without what is actually good about rick and morty mm-hmm. um it, it is absolutely like just people being awful to each other Mm-hmm. And it, it, it just, it, I think more than anything, like this, this makes me 
realize like how utterly uninteresting it actually is for your story to be oh yeah well everyone's a bad guy you know Mm -hmm. just how utterly boring that perspective is like the person that that likes that story he's 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 the guy that fucking plays devil's advocate for hitler you know he's he is that fucking guy that says he was just trying to make germany great again and like i no fuck you (laughs) shit it's and it's it's that it's frustrating to read because when i read preacher i don't go oh it needs to be grosser and have more sex shit in it weird sex Mm -hmm. shit that doesn't do anything like i don't need it to be more violent i don't need more sex in preacher i think it goes it is over the top but i think it is the right amount of over the top largely i think preacher itself does sometimes go a little too far at times and in kind of key into garth ennis's more indulgent what he thinks is funny obviously and but mostly it is doesn't do that mostly it understands the strength of that story is those three characters and their relationships to each other etc etc and it, it whenever it starts going too far it always ends up kind of yo-yoing back springing back bouncing back to those characters and and what the strengths are and this book does a lot less than preacher does in that regard of that coming back to the strength Mm -hmm. like i like huey i like huey i like i like frenchy i like frenchy and females relationship yes i love that's easily my favorite part of the book i hate hate that she's called the female i also hate that as well i uh, will i was about that was gonna be my next that was me my little asterisk yeah your segue <laughs> in, like that you hate asterisk uh I, I i don't know like maybe she gets a name eventually uh that's my hope i don't expect it to happen but it is a she hope. has she has character and backstory it's mm-hmm. not like she's a completely flat character no. and it does kind of makes sense because they're called the boys and she's the fucking girl mm-hmm. like like i like i get the gag but it's still like a gag is not a good reason to name a character uh you know that first 80 issues of your comic book you know it's you should you at a bit like at a certain point you have to go oh i i don't want a joke is not a good reason to na- have a character name that lasts if they're an important central character they should not just be a joke name they should have a real name and that's she's not the only one like they're all they are they all are jokes like they're all they're like all just you know mother's milk why is he called mother's milk oh because he nursed and he had to nurse to stay alive and it's just like wait wait till you wait till you read the next six books i realize i know it's i'm 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 like i'm probably gonna i'm setting myself up for for the end like but it's it, it, you know, I like those things, I think, and they are, you know, those are the things that I keep, I see and I go, oh, I like this. I, I like that Huey is seemingly one of the only, like, people with, like, is a person, I guess I would say, but almost every other character is terrible. They're just bad people. I don't mm-hmm. root for them. Like, I, the you know, he's joined Butcher's team. He's joined the boys. I'm well aware that Butcher is probably a secret villain or some shit. Uh, like, it's not... I don't think the book's trying to hide that or whatever, but, like, I, it, like 
it's certainly not but it doesn't ever i think also like portrait make him feel like he's a good guy he is just a monster and he's just like yeah all the superheroes are terrible they're all bad like we see we got a little bit of like a tiny bit of humanity sprinkled in among them not a lot of it a tiny bit from here here and there mostly it's just they're all monsters they're all deviant psychopaths and i i could deal with that even like i can deal with okay all the superheroes are bad but what this is the thing that stands out above everything else and i could deal with i think i could think i could deal with everything else just what the fuck garth ennis why does everything why and i i don't know like what why he makes the choices he makes but he makes the like the choice of oh these people are all powerful and they can do whatever they want basically all the superheroes so all of them every single one is sexually deviant and they Mm -hmm. fuck everything Mm -hmm. and i get it I get, you don't need over and over and over again making oh I get it they're all they all like to have orgies it's not what is this supposed to be funny the like the thousands of the time you show me the same shit it's not I there's nothing it's nothing oh the X the the G men the X men analog oh the the leader is like abuses children and they all rape women whenever they can and they're they don't blah 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 and you're just like what is this telling me after a while it doesn't mean anything anymore and I just get I'm just like I I want to keep I want to continue reading this we were talking about this if we want to read the second half. I I, I like I again and I think that is ultimately going to decide if I like start frothing like you have in the past Eric about this book Mm -hmm. because I feel like there is a a a place where this book could end staying mostly the same tone and tenor and I would be okay with it you know as long as the characters that I like aren't just subjugated to awful torture and I would go, oh, okay, that's fine. That's interesting. That's a way to look at superheroes. You know, it's something that, you know, Warren Ellis, he talked, he talked, has like one of his newsletters, he's recently talked about um, Cerberus and how he, he reads, he read it. He's read the whole thing or all, whatever there is. He's read it because he's, a, he considers himself like a kind of scholar of comics and he wants to read everything and he wants to see how different people, you know, come to that craft and you know dave sims he does not agree with most of dave sims philosophy um I mean, hate, rightly, hate so yeah rightfully dave, dave sims is a is a nasty bitter husk of a man right and but and he was like well and he but he was talking about oh it's really interesting reading Cerberus and you know over its incredible run and how it changes because of him of sims's descent into you know his hateful uh <laughs> beliefs but he still finds it very interesting, but he would not suggest you read it. He's like, I would stop short of actually recommending this for a, a, a random person to read. I, as a person who's, who reads every comic I could possibly read because I find it fasc- fascinating like as a, in an educational, scholarly way. 
And I'm like, I would think of the boys in the same way. Like, I like Garth Ennis, and I think he's largely a very good comic book writer. But, and I, I know a lot of people love the boys because of the fact that it hates superheroes. Because there's a lot of people out there who love indie comics and hate superhero books and think any superhero book is stupid. That superheroes in general are dumb. And this book, I, like, I think, yeah, there are bad superhero comics. There are bad kinds of all comics. And when you try and narrow things down to be one thing, it makes you look just as dumb. And that's what The Boys is, because so far, everyone is bad, and we shouldn't, there should, we should not ha try and have heroes. It seems to be my thesis, the thesis of it. And if you have any kind of power at all, you, someone give it, someone given power will misuse it and use it to probably to organize a giant orgy. <laughs> It it is, I mean, for as as pornographic as it is, it is it almost kind of anti-sex. Yes, it is. It feels like you it. know, like it certainly equates any kind of like kink or non-vanilla sex as you know, it equates it with deviancy and you know, like bad character. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like it's all the it's all the worst people are into whatever. Right. It's like we see Huey have sex with uh, Annie, mm -hmm. and they just have, as far as we can tell, vanilla like boy girl whatever. They you know they they make fun of him because he has he has blood on his face, which that's that's gross too. Like to like I think we can we can fucking miss me with that shit like. <laughs> It's fucking normal. Like I, 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 no, I think it, anyone it, it, who's it, had a fucking girlfriend for a reasonable amount of time has fucking gone down on them, and they've been on their period, or has like it, slept with them, had period sex. Like Jesus Christ! Like, it, can we fucking like? It, it, it reads like Garth Ennis has never been in a long term yeah. relationship with a woman. It's a like reality. It's not a big deal. It doesn't. It doesn't like the way. Like I'm looking at the panel right now. That uh, no, guys, no. You do, it's not like someone draws a ring on your face with lipstick that's not what happens I, it's, it's it's that is that is literally never happened to me and i'm i'm going to say i've that, that is i've done that a lot it's fucking fine it's normal you know it it's like it's like yeah okay i'm, I'm like look well, really what is this what's what's like it, it just feels very sophomoric and very like and that's one of the things that makes me like Huey is Huey is like whatever it's not a big deal with yeah. Annie, like with with Annie he's like it's like, not a big deal it's fine and that's and honestly the other characters are not too bad about it like they bust his balls a little bit mm -hmm. but the comics tone yes. around it yes is is it's kinda, a joke yeah it, it's, it's a joke it, uh, mm, and man, I yeah. think and that's the thing like it's not just it is like anybody having any kind of sex that is like. You know, not just oh, we're in a committed relationship, blah blah blah. It's just like oh, you're evil devils. And I'm like, well, I don't really care if the fucking superheroes go and have sex with a bunch of whatever. Like, I, what? Why is that inherently is not evil? Yeah. I don't know. Like, I don't know why they're like painting this as oh, they think it's they go on to this big event and then they go have sex with a bunch of people. I'm like, well, whatever. 
Apparently, the prostitutes are getting paid $100,000 to go have sex with superheroes. I mean, 100 k All right. Sex work. Whatever. It just, it, like, I, why do I care about how, how super is, like, yeah, there's stuff that's, like, off, off like, they're portraying people as, like, a child abusers and rapists. Like, yeah, those people are fucking terrible. But I, I you can't, you, you shouldn't draw them in parallel with people who are just having sex. Like, yeah. okay, I don't, and the fact that, God, I hate Butcher. I hate him. Tell me why, because I don't. I don't really feel that. I don't feel that negatively about him. It, it, it's because, like, I feel like this book is trying to have its cake and eat it too. Mm-hmm. With that, him. I can see eye to eye with. with but him. please expand on that. With him in particular, and it, like it's yeah. all and like because he is aside from Huey, he is the main. I I don't even know. It, like they try. At, look at the covers of all these books. He is front and center on all of them, right. and it's just and it's and it's always and you know they they have yet to it feels like there is obviously a hammer waiting to drop with him and his relationship with the government and what this team really is like they have hinted at it at times and how the team is maybe it's not what it maybe it's not what he actually is and what happened to the 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 leader that used to be in the group which i have my own suspicions about who that is or who that was etc and it feels like this like when I read Watchmen, I fully believe that Rorschach is not a hero. I like and it's not and it's presented and that he's not a hero. It's presented in a way that he is clearly a vigil rogue vigilante with with, you know, uh, strange philosophies that drive him to think most people are below, you know, consideration of life, you know. Rorschach doesn't go out of his way to help people. You know, he only goes out of his way to punish people he thinks are aberrants. And I think people misread Watchmen to think that Rorschach is a hero. But I think Alan Moore and Dave Gibbons fully display Rorschach is not a hero. None of those people in Watchmen are really heroes. They're just average people trying to make by, make do with what they've been given. You know, and some people are more likable than others in Watchmen. But they, I can, in most of those characters, I can still see their humanity. Even Rorschach, when you look at his past and see what he, what made him that way, you understand him. Um, I think, I, I feel like in the case of Butcher, they want him to be both. Where he's like, oh, he's this terrible vigilante that does horrible violence to people and, mm-hmm. and is what Rorschach is, where he is, you know, he is uh, uh, someone who's had terrible trauma ha- happen to him and now is ir- basically irrevocably changed and is going to be a bad person for the rest of his life and just be driven to follow this philosophy until either he wins or dies or both. And, however, it's not just that. He's also painted as a badass and he's great. And he's, and they even, they even do the Rorschach thing where he's in the warehouse with all that superhero team fire something fire storm or the one where he's in russia with the 150 guys no 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 the it's like the last book it's the one where it's the the last book the one with the book six with the nazi the nazi guys the leader of the team that they're they're Mm. sent after the boys um they you know he throws glass or something in the eye of the Nazi guy, so he flies away, and then Butcher is left in this warehouse with the rest of the team, and he one by one kills them. And 
Huey's worried about him, and then Mother's Milk makes the comment, oh, they're not, tra- he's not trapped in there with them, they're trapped in there with, they do the, the Rorschach joke about Rorschach yeah. being in prison. They even make that joke, and I, knowing Garth Ennis, it's completely on purpose, and it's, he's a, he's a badass, and he, like, he gets, and he's given badass moments, he's, they, where they manage to beat the Nazi dude, who's, like, the number, most, the second most powerful hero there is, after, uh, over whatever his name is. Lander head hero lander hero man I forget his name um butchers butchers just basically like he's so empty to me right that he's he's frank he's the punisher I mean you know like quite literally looks just like Frank Castle he's like Frank Castle that sounds like Michael Caine (laughs) yes uh and I, I think in Punisher Max Frank Castle always felt like a tortured individual that didn't mm-hmm. consider himself a hero like he just did what was necessary and i feel like butcher could butcher is like i think the character himself could think of himself as a hero but it feels like he's everything like it, it's like he is yes he is the punisher but he's a punisher that is like the it, it is the punisher without any nuance that i like what i enjoy so much about punisher max is that yes the punisher is a monster but i don't think we ever lose sight of that fact He's always portrayed as a monster. While Butcher is, yeah, he's a monster, but he's also a good guy. I'm like, uh, I, I don't think that this comic book can carry that kind of nuance. You're the comic book where we have six issues dedicated to superhero orgies. Speaking of uh, nuance, look at that. Yeah. Also, this book's very racist. Very racist. Uh, this book is every every, very every racist. black character is disgusting. Uh, yeah, I just, I just sent him. I what what book is this in? This is like in book three or four. It's, it's a G Men. It's book. a G Men book, yeah. And the the fucking like every black character is throwing up a bunch of fucking gang signs, and I swear to God, like Ennis just put black characters in this so he could use the N word and I, I, have them fucking say it. And I I don't I. I don't get, like, I think there's certainly problematic things about some Garth Ennis books. I would never, I don't think all racist, I don't think them as racist most of the time. Yeah. Uh, this book is. And, like, there is certainly, absolutely space for, if you're writing a book that's, like, basically a parody of superhero books about how black characters are written and presented, you know, Dwayne McDuffie has said had said a lot of things about you know the we referenced it on on this podcast before about you know how when he wrote superhero comics how many black people could be on a team before it became the black team uh and there's still a lot of space for if you want to be smart about it and really poke holes in how big the big two how they market black characters how they are how they put them in, you know, certain who, which creators get to handle black characters, how they're written, et cetera, et cetera. There's definitely someone out there who could do that, and it could be really good, and and, and be powerful because it would demonstrate the hypocrisy in a lot of cases that Marvel and DC d- demonstrate about their their the characters of color. But this is just garbage. It's just like, hey, wouldn't it be funny if there's two X-Men teams that are all black characters and they're they have an East Coast West Coast feud? 
like they're rappers because that's the only thing i know about is black people yeah and then he then he writes this garbage yes it, it's just fucking embarrassment it's it like and it it turned my stomach i didn't remember it being that bad and then then our one kind of uh point of view black character says i have to be i have to be on a team with those guys i want to be with the white people it's just it's yeah it's it's fuck are you thinking it's it's and it's there's there's a lot of there's the the a lot of the racism there's a lot of misogyny and it's not and it's not targeted like again it's the same thing it's just not it's not being used to like poke holes in how superheroes are generally written for or how they were written for a long time i think there's a little bit of that in there but it's lost in the mix when you when you when you demonstrate you know when you demonstrate that stuff and then you also write dozens of characters that use that same kind of material for jokes it makes it meaningless like there's a bit here which i thought was the one like a one one thing i remember that is actually targeted like it's when uh they are trying to redesign Starlight's costume, you know, and it's, you know, they're they're and how they are going to be reworking her backstory and so mm-hmm. and so forth. And I'm like, that's really that is clever. That means something or it would mean something. However, on the next three pages, there's a bunch of dumb, empty jokes about women, female superheroes being like sluts or something. I don't remember. Like, and there's dozens of those. There's so many jokes about that. And it's just, and you know, like, I, I don't care. However you want to try and, oh, it's the characters that are saying that stuff. Not me. I'm like, well, n- you decide what's on the page, Garthenis. So I don't, you know, I don't, I don't, that doesn't hold water to me when you, your commentary on superheroes ends up meaning nothing when everything is just a joke. Isn't it funny that all we talk about all these female superheroes and they're all sluts? Like, not really. It doesn't mean like I. At a certain point, it's just wallpaper. It's just more of the same over and over and over again, and it just gets in the way, frankly, of what Garthenis is good at because he does have a good handle on character and plot and structure. Like, there's there's a like the int- like the 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 parts of this i really liked are the power struggle between the superheroes and the boys and the government and the corporation that's all really fascinating that's all really interesting it's the one thing and it's one of the reasons i want to read the second half of this because i want mm-hmm. to i want to know how those things interweave and i know you know for a fact almost that there's obviously going to be twists in here but about how this stuff is connected and the boys are actually guilty of some terribleness because of course they are um it's just when everything when there's so much vileness mixed in it just makes it hard to read and it just makes me go like okay let's I, like when i got to that pager i i'm just I, I i just glanced over i'm like i don't need to read that what's it there's nothing in it what is that there's nothing of meaning in it it's just a bunch of stereotypes it's lazy and i'm sure garth thinks it's funny but that's what i mean like it's self-indulgent it's just garbage just like, oh, what I think is funny, I'm going to do that. I'm like, well, that's, is it best for this story? No, absolutely not. I don't think there's hardly anything in here that's good for this story. I I do want to talk about one thing, Eric. I I that we have not touched on yet. We should be wrap, we should wrap this up at a certain point because we could just yell and rant forever. 
I want to talk about Huey looking like Simon Pegg. I want to talk about this first. Oh no. Why do you keep sending me Oh my god, why are you sending me this? It's ridiculous. <laughs> it's insane. I think that the, whoever drew this has never seen a man before. John, that's John McCray. I think that literally is just a joke. I think that literally is just like, is he probably drew that just to make Garth Ennis laugh. I guess so. He knew that it it's would make Garth really Ennis bad. laugh, and that's all that he cared about. And that's the thing. I think that, I, okay, famously, Simon Pegg wrote the foreword for this, the first, for yeah. the first trade. I cannot tell you, like, please don't do this. Please don't make your character look directly like an actor. It just takes me out of it every time. I look at, like, as soon as I'm buying into Huey as a guy, and I'm just like, oh, it's Simon Pegg. I just keep thinking that thought over and over and over again. Like, oh, it's Simon Pegg. Oh, it's Simon Pegg. I'm like, but it's not Simon Pegg. It's not, this is not a movie. <laughs> this, this... You know, I, it didn't affect my sense of disbelief at all. I, I just absolutely, uh, uh, I just accept like, oh yeah, Simon Pegg is playing Huey. Okay, that's that is literally how I think it, of it. It just makes me think of that Spider-Man book you read. That it's Matt Smith. Mm -hmm. It's just Doctor Who is Spider-Man, and I'm like, I don't, I don't, I don't want to see. I want to see Spider-Man look like someone that's not an actor. I, I, and everyone, and the problem is no one else in it. Like when you think of like um Brian Hitch's Ultimates, everyone looks like an actor. I can kind of, yeah. I buy into that more, it feels like, because it feels like more, it's like a movie cast. But in this one, it's just like, basically, it's just Simon Pegg in this weird world of superheroes that now he can just punch through people also without a problem. Um, I And uh, this is, I think, the one big plot hole that I just, I'm really struggling with is the fact that Huey doesn't know that Star Annie is a superhero. Mm -hmm. Does he has he closed his eyes? Does he not read newspapers? If the seven are truly like the Justice League, the Avengers, mm -hmm. they are the the most famous people alive. Yeah, and, and he is working for a group that is supposed to undermine superheroes. There is literally nothing you can tell me to make me believe he isn't. And they make fun of his ignorance from time to time about what he doesn't keep up with stuff. But she's a member of the Justice League, basically. Mm -hmm. I think he would know by this point. It's been five years. T years have passed in the span of his issues. And he doesn't know. And it's just got a point of absurdity. And everything else is relatively tightly plotted. And this is not. And it's just and it's just getting the boy where I was just, I'm like, come on, Gar come on. He knows by now. Uh it's this book. I don't know. It's really frustrating. I think that's I I I like feel like this, I feel like this book is, and it's and I, the only reason I think if this if it wasn't Garth Ennis, I would just drop it. But I want to see what ha I want to see how he ends it. If it's just I, as I colossally no, stupid, I have no, yeah, I have no faith that it's going to be good. Oh no, I expect I I have already like built up an expectation of this is going to be bad, so mm -hmm. that at least once it is bad, I will you know not be so angry. I will be like expecting the worst and hoping for something. You know, I hope that maybe Huey and Annie make it out and are okay. Not mm -hmm. even together, just that they both are all right. They don't get stomped to death by some terrible character, which is roughly like 75% of the deaths. It feels just like people getting stomped to death. Not a big fan of just like people getting stomped over and over again. Like, it's not, 
at a certain point again it just it's just the same no it there's definitely a lot of sameness how about the love to sausage this, to this junk how about the love sausage man i actually like him he doesn't need to be a dick joke he doesn't need to be a dick joke you're right if he but, doesn't he, he doesn't need to be titties or my kryptonite yeah it wouldn't if you could just you know not could you not could you not could you just not? make that the the lovable giant russian dude that drinks some kind of paint thinner or something and is charming and and genuinely believes in the power of communism like mm-hmm. those are all good that's all like that's the part that goes oh garth Ennis can't he, he knows how to write a character and then you're like oh he has a big dick ha <laughs> that's why he's a love sausage uh he goes through a strip club and he can't work anymore he can't walk i can't walk anymore uh-huh. is that funny i mean it's a very garth in this thing if it was just that joke i'd be like okay but it just happens the same joke is with every character they're all mm-hmm. that every character is ah dicks that's a very it's got a lot of dicks in this book there's a lot of nudity in general a lot of it yeah i mean i'm not gonna disagree with that no, I mean it's fine. It's not that it's the nudity isn't bad. I would say how the nudity is used is largely bad. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. That it's a it's put me this book has put me in a weird place where I think largely yeah I I agree that it's bad. I still want to finish it. I feel like I'm in the same place place same place we were with the Spider Man uh, origin story book where it's just I want to see how the the I want to see this car crash. Well, this is this is against. This is against any sense that I have. I I don't want to finish it, but you're going to twist my arm. I think it'll be at least fun to talk about, even though it'll be miserable to read it. Right. I, you know, I think I'm I'm looking for diamond the diamond in the rough in this story. Uh, it's very interesting to me that Derek Robertson went from transmetropolitan to this. This even feels kind of like a like Garth Ennis being very inspired by that Warren Ellis work and him like seeing the weird gross shit and being like, Oh man, I got to one up him. I got to do this. And he writes this trash. Yeah. I, 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 that's the thing I like about Warren Ellis is that, yeah, it's absurd and insane at times with the over the top, you know, qualities of whatever the characters are, but there's always something behind it. Yeah. There's well, the, the, there's the worst depth. parts, the worst parts of that era, Warren Ellis are like this same era, Garth Ennis. Uh, yeah. It's, I mean, I like, I like Derek Robertson. I think his art is good. And I think like it, do, I think he does, uh, does exactly what he's asked. And I think the, you know, I think, it's he, just, I think he creates ugly worlds. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's okay. Yeah, I mean, I think it works when you're doing something like Transmetropolitan. Yeah, no, absolutely. In in something like The Boys, it's when you're not emphasizing that, yeah, this is not good. <laughs> that this is great. Yeah, isn't it funny? That, and it's like really, and oh god, the other, the 9-11 issue was also, that's, oh, we're going to have to talk about that next time. Because that's going to take half an hour for us to talk about the weird I'd, 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 I'd almost rather just say let's just throw it in the garbage <laughs> okay well we'll see if it comes up it might not again um and i think uh, also by the time our next episode comes out i'm gonna be I'm, I'm gonna watch the show i'm gonna see um how how they i 
I'm already pretty aware that they depart. Uh, uh, like I've already seen people I know on you know, on social media who are like, "Yeah, I watched the show. Uh, it's way better than the comic. I could never finish it, the comic, because of all the terribleness." And the book mm-hmm. and the movie is the show's way better. I'm like, okay, that gives me a little bit of a you have hope, a little bit of hope for the show. Also, Carl Urban's in it. I really like Carl Urban. He's great. Um, anything you want to add, Eric, other than your just general disgust? No. Okay. <laughs> no. No, that's all right. Um, all right. So that that was the first half of the boys. We're gonna finish the boys for next episode, two weeks time. We're gonna we're, we're gonna talk about volume seven through twelve of the boys again, and we'll see how it goes. I mean, you you don't know. We might just scream <laughs> existential horror for thirty five minutes. I mean, I you know there is a certain joy in just hate hate you know shit talking something that you hate for twenty I, minutes or whatever. At worst, it's twenty I, minutes. You know, we can cut it. You know, do a little uh, sh- short uh, hot hot rage take um we're gonna finish eric's gonna i'm gonna i'm actually looking i always like it when eric doesn't absolutely hate something because it draws stuff out of him (laughs) um we'll do that next time i'll do it that'll do it for us Uh, we are the handsome boys comics hour you can find us at handsomeboyscomicshour.com uh links to everything there to our facebook facebook.com slash handsomeboyscomicshour twitter at hbcr you can email us at handsomeboyscomics at gmail.com uh if you like the show please go on apple podcasts and give us a good review uh, and say you like us. Tell us. Tell your friends. Subscribe. All those things. They they help us out. They help counteract uh, shitty trolls mm-hmm. on the internet. Um, do that for everything you like. Frankly, that's what I'm going to actually say. Is not just do it for ours. If you like something a lot, go to the website wherever wherever you get it and yeah. review it. Say I like this a lot. Give it give it what like a good review. And and it doesn't have to be complicated. It could just be say, I like listening to it. It makes me happy. Or they, you know, something like that. And that's not just for us. For anything you like it. Because more and more, it's harder and harder to find, like, for, for to draw out. Like, I'm struggling with it with my books. Just getting reviews. or Even when people read it, they don't review it. And it's just like, leave reviews for stuff you like. Um, and counteract some toxicity on the internet talk about stuff you you know leave the good reviews don't worry about the bad stuff in um, general try and put good things into the world try um you can find me online on twitter at robbie dorman um please check out my website it's robbie links to my books on there including the new, newly released truth uh you can read it for free on amazon um with kindle limited um i will do it for us today uh have a good one Fuck racists forever. Rock and roll.